Yeah. Wash your money. Wash your money. Wink. Gambling. Drugs. Money. We're, we're talking about all of it today. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Mike Mead, and joining me is sometimes a man who is the true inspiration for the 1993 Toby Keith classic, Should Have Been a Cowboy, my good friend Alex Duvall. Hi, Alex. Uh, it is true. Me and Toby go way back from our days doing rodeo in the Oklahoma desert. <laughs> that's not, none of that is true, but that's fine. None of that is I true. I mean, well, well, I mean, it's partially it true. Partially true. I, I, I mean, did do rodeo with Toby Keith. And his horses who drink whiskey. So, or no, it was beer. <laughs> beer for his horses. It was beer. Whiskey for his. Yeah, horses. he drank the whiskey. He drank the whiskey. There we go. Yeah, they drank the beer. Um, yeah. Alex Duvall, noted rodeo legend. Um, let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> on this week's episode, we will discuss. Uh, I'm going to call them mixed results because I'm a nice person for the week for the Royals. Uh, we'll have a Q and A with Alex because we all know that's what people really want anyway. And then we'll preview next week's games. I figure we haven't talked to Alex in a while. Let's just get what he thinks on the record so that we can throw it back in his face later on. That's my, my thinking there. But first, a reminder to follow us on all social medias. We're at Mark's even social meeting it up from Spain right now. So if you guys are seeing those tweets from, from Mark and realizing they're coming out at weird times, it's because tonight when I texted him at about seven, he was like, I'm going to bed. And it's probably like two in the morning because that's where Mark when Mark usually goes to bed. So uh, yeah, he's on flip time, but he's still keeping up. I'm doing the threads thing, but man, it's a it's a desolate wasteland over there, um, which is fun. But uh, people engage with me on threads uh, so I don't get too out of control. Uh, but a quick reminder that Royals Weekly is brought to you by Nap Family Wealth. Alex, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? Wearing my six shooter and riding my pony on a cattle drive. Ooh, no, but I like where your head is. I love that you're keeping with the Toby Keith theme. Okay. Securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Nap Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Nap Family Wealth is run by J.C. Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial future for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead education planning so your kids learn to read better than I'm reading right now, investment management so you can get all the money out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at napfamilywealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P familywealth.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member F-I-N-R-A slash S-I-P-C. Now, we're going to start this week off like we always do with roster news, and there was actually quite a bit of interesting news this week, and I have a feeling there will be kind of interesting news as we move in and finish out the year. Uh, Start us off, Singer came back from the paternity list. Congratulations to the Singers, although didn't perform also so great this week after that, but uh, I think he's probably pretty happy with his week either way. As a result, Samad Taylor went back down to Omaha, hasn't shown a whole lot at the major league level, but he's still pretty young. Um, another one that I didn't think was all that interesting, but some people were talking about Daniel Lynch got moved to the 60 day injured list, effectively ending his season, um, probably needed to be moved there. Not any real benefit to throwing him again this season. The one that kind of was a little interesting to me, Matt Beatty was optioned to Omaha and Nick Prado was recalled after his rehab assignment in Omaha. Alex, 
What do you think of Prado coming back and Beatty going down at this point? He's only, he's only had one appearance. He's 0 for 3 with three strikeouts against a really good pitcher in Toronto. So what do you think? Uh, I mean, at this point, it, any at-bats you're giving to Matt Beatty are wasted. They could be given in any capacity to Tyler Gentry, to Logan Porter, to Nick Prado, to your mom, who I know we're going to talk about later. I mean, the physical therapist <laughs> um, miracle yeah, of the, the year. The physical yes. prowess. And so, yeah, huh? just look, unreal. I, it, Matt Duffy's not playing anymore, which is good. He should not be, but those roster spots are, are a waste. They are just a, a glut of nonsense and the, the less of those that we have, the better. So, I mean, at this point, I'm starting to question kind of what Nick Prado's role is in this organization moving forward. But as long as it's like literally anybody but Matt Beatty or Matt Duffy, I'm good. Would you have rather had Gentry up here? Because I know, you know, we all know Mark is a huge Tyler Gentry guy. I like Gentry. I, I you know, I, I probably would have preferred him over Prado for this one. I would have optioned Prado to AAA and let him work on some stuff. What, what do you think? Yeah, but they were, I mean, they're running Nick Lofton out there at first base. So I kind of understand not wanting Nick Lofton to have to play first base and getting, getting Salvador Perez the ability to go back behind home plate on occasion. You know, I, I get it. But yes, I would have rather seen Tyler Gentry's bat uh, this time around just to see what you got. You may as well. I don't understand why you wouldn't at least take inventory of, of what you got. Get him up here, let him get a taste of it. That way, Next year, when spring training rolls around, it's a little bit easier to transition him to the big leagues on opening day if you wanted to, unless, and I won't go there, but there is an unless, and we can talk about that later. Yeah, and I think uh, when Fermin went down, I think that was Prado may have been their only option once Fermin went down because you need Salvi behind the plate so much after that. Um, we'll talk. I might as well just bring it up now. There is uh, there are reports today that. Um, Logan Porter will be coming up as well. And he's kind of a help because he can play both catcher and first base if you need him to. So fits kind of both of those roles. Great for Logan Porter too. Um, it hasn't been official yet, but it looks like it's going to happen tomorrow. Great, uh, great story there. Walked on at division two baseball, you know, worked right across the worked at surprise stadium. I think they say, mm-hmm. uh, and he's produced in minor league baseball for the most part. So uh, I'm excited to see him. The only other real roster news that we had was the huge gut punch that we got on Saturday with Austin Cox being placed on the 60 day IL with a torn ACL. And did you get it? If you got a chance to see that play right away, it was in, I think pretty much everybody's mind because it looked pretty bad. Um, he just tumbled on trying to get to first base on a, uh, on sort of a routine grounded a first. Mm-hmm. Um, also with that, Freddie Fermin was put on the 10 day IL with a broken finger. And this is one that kind of surprised me. Brad Keller was reactivated. That's interesting to me, as was Tyler Cropley from AA Northwest Arkansas. A couple things here, Alex. First, what do you think of those moves? Secondly, can you tell us a little bit about Tyler Cropley as an expert on Royals minor league baseball? Uh, yeah, he's already back down to the minors in favor of Logan Porter. Oh, yeah, Porter. I forgot because so, yeah. Logan Porter up. Yeah, I yeah, forgot about and, that. <laughs> and I think it was Kevin O'Brien that pointed out on Twitter that it was probably a passport thing. Logan, yeah. you're going to the big leagues. I don't have a passport. Like, Can you imagine that being your call? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I could have been there already, and I forgot. I don't have a passport. Like, Logan, my guy, if you're that close to the big leagues, we got to get passports, dog. We have got <laughs> to be on top of the passports. You can't risk this. But um, it sounds like Crowley's going right back. As far as Brad Keller, that is s- subtraction 
by addition. Like sometimes it's the other way around. It is that is bad. That is very bad. Um, I I was really digging what Austin Cox was doing, and Brad Keller has just been. He is he is. There's nothing that you can gain from seeing more Brad Keller. You know exactly what he is. If you if you put him out there and he's good, and all of a sudden somebody says, "Hey, we might throw three million dollars at him to come pitch in our bullpen next year," when you could have potentially had him, if that were to happen, right? Let's just say he's good. Of all of a sudden, you could have had him on the cheap because nobody would have known, and now you're going to expose him. Like I I think that's, I, I, I it's weird at best. I would have just DFA'd him and moved along, but um, yeah, sucks for Austin Cox. I was really digging him. Me too. And and I'm a noted, not, I was not a noted Austin Cox fan before this year. I was, I never, I always thought he was kind of an org guy. You know, I didn't think he would ever make it in major league baseball, but I think he's shown the ability maybe to have a role in a bullpen this year. And I, I think that's good. He he has a, at least a plus pitch in the curveball. Um, so really, really sucks to see him go down with something that's likely to push into the beginning of next year. Real quick question on the Brad Keller thing. Do you have some sort of sick, twisted fascination with wanting to see him pitch at the major league level again? Because I almost do. The reports have been so bad from minor league baseball this year on him, on his rehab stuff, that I, and I haven't seen any of that. I almost just want to see what it looks like. And maybe that's like a little morbid fascination. I don't want anybody to ever perform badly, but the reports are that he's doing things that make you feel like it's a little bit more mental hurdle than what we want to see in major league baseball. And that could turn into an atrocious day for him if he's out there and that happens. Didn't they decide that we weren't going to torture prisoners anymore? Like they, they, (laughs) I thought we weren't doing that. I thought we were done torturing prisoners. And right now, Brad Keller is a prisoner of baseball and to put him on a major league mound might be torture. This might, this might break the Geneva convention. I mean, there could be like war crimes, asserted to the Royals if they put him out there. Yeah. And especially, can you imagine if he like, let's just say he goes out there, he walks the first four or five batters and they have to go get him. Like I would press charges if I was Brad Keller, that's where I'd be. And that people, if for those of you who haven't paid attention to what he's been doing down in, in the minors since he left major league baseball or since he left the major league roster, that's what it's been. It's been, can't get him through an inning. Can't throw a single strike at times. Like, really, really bad stuff. So I hope it's not that way. I hope he comes out and and plays well if he gets an opportunity. He may be a break glass in case of emergency kind of guy anyway right now. Um, But, woo, that's not good that he's coming back up here. That's for sure. That's assault, brother. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Um, Let's take a look at the week in general. The Royals were 2-4 and this week, bringing their overall record to a robust 44-100. and That's right officially broke the 100 loss uh, barrier today. Uh, I I said it was a mixed bag for the Royals who seem to be really scrambling at the end of the year. I mean, they are calling up Brad Keller again. So that seems like a scrambly kind of move to me. Um, They started off winning two of three this week against the lowly Chicago White Sox, who we'll talk a little bit more about later. After that, they went to Toronto and got swept by uh, the Blue Jays. Being from Canada, the Blue Jays were very polite about it all. You know, they let us think we might win today before they crushed us. And so, Alex, what do you take away from this week with only 18 games left in the 2023 season? I know Cole Reagan's outing ended weird. I mean, he was slipping all over the mound. He didn't ask them to do anything about it, which, whatever. I, I, could, I could not care less about those last three pitches that he threw there. Um, but 
to hold that Toronto offense to one hit through the first four or five innings, I mean, this is legit. And I and I, I kept joking on Twitter that I was looking for reasons that the other shoe was going to drop, looking for declining fastball metrics, looking for declining spin rate, looking for uh, a statistic that might lead on He's that he's getting lucky. I can't find it. Everything he's doing in this in this sample that we have is legit. There is no reason that if he keeps throwing the way he's throwing, we should expect significant regression. Now, the the curious thing will be is okay, next year if he starts on the opening day roster and he throws, you know, he makes 10 starts in April and May and we get into June and he's making that 10th, 11th and 12th start, can he hold the velocity? His 98th pitch today was 99 miles an hour. I don't know. I, nobody can say they know. Oh, yeah, no, we can expect it. Well, no, you can't. We don't know that he can do this over a full season. But if he does, there's no reason to expect this isn't legit. The stuff is legit. It's just a matter of will his body allow him to continue doing this. And I think what you saw today against that lineup is this stuff will play, and there's not a lot hitters are going to be able to do about it. Yeah, and that this uh, we talked about I think last week. This is the most excited I've been about a Royals starting pitching prospect since you probably have to go back to Zach in in the 2009 season when he won the Cy Young. Yes, I was extremely excited about Jordano because the stuff was so electric. Yes, Danny Duffy when he first came up and you saw the potential that he had, even though he was really pitch inefficient in that early part of his Royals career. Uh, but you could see the stuff; those were exciting. But I, man, I've never seen a guy come up and just mow people down as coldly as he does. And then just, I mean, he just looks so damn good. Very exciting. At least there's a small glimmer of hope. We did get some glimmers of hope this week. So can you just lay it on us? Who is your strong performer from the week, Alex? I went with MJ Melendez and that may sound funny to some because over his last seven games, he only, he's only hitting 190, and over his last 15 games, He's only hitting 220, and I do think there's something to, during this hot stretch, he's had a batting average on balls in play that is not sustainable for what he does. So as good as he's been, it's not quite that sustainable. But what he did do this week is walk five times in, what, like 26 at bat or 26 plate appearances, so a walk rate right around 25%. I mean, he has totally transformed his approach. And when you hit, people are you're more likely to be walked, right? So he has an on-base percentage in his last seven games of 346, despite a batting average of 190. That is outstanding, and an ISO to go with it of 143. So this is more sustainable, right? It's it's not sustainable to walk at seven percent and have a batting average on balls and play at 340. That's never what he's going to be. MJ is going to make his money on a batting average on balls in play around 260, 280, but he's going to hit for a lot of power and he's going to take his walks if he's going to be an integral part of the lineup moving forward. And this week he showed the plate discipline come back. Still a few strikeouts, but one-to-one strikeout to walk ratio. I'll take that every day of the week for who he is because that's what he has to do is be sure that he can find free bases in between not hitting a ton of singles like a smaller, slappier hitter might. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up too because 
one that's why we that's why we ask you to co-host in these times because you come up with the gems the 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 nuggets that other people aren't going to find on like an MJ Melendez like that and I'm also glad you brought it up because that feeds in well to my my strong performer for the week, Nelson Velasquez, because he has a similar profile in that he strikes out quite a bit. He doesn't walk all that much. Nelson Velasquez this week was five for 19 with three home runs, five RBI, two walks still, which isn't bad for him, six strikeouts. His K rate this year is still 26%. But here's the difference between MJ Melendez and Nelson Velasquez. Velasquez's ISO is 373. That is unreal. And we've seen it in the production. Every time the guy touches the ball, it feels like it leaves the yard. Um, so that that's something that is so wonderful. We were talking it up big time when they made the trade for Nelson Velasquez, but it looks like you might have a corner outfielder who's terrible, not terrible in the outfield, but not good in the outfield that can actually hit the shit out of the ball again when was the last time the royals had that jorge soler for a year mm-hmm. um i uh, going back to that yeah i'm talking jermaine die <laughs> um so you know it's been it's been a while so it'd be it'll be nice to see that if he can start this up again at the beginning of next year i'm not saying he's an everyday guy but if he's hitting like this he's a five times a week guy at least in, in the best mm-hmm. matchups you can find him uh they won two games this week so not everybody's been great especially on the pitching side. Alex, tell us about the pitcher that you've picked out as our week performer of the week. But really, you could just say like since like at the end of July, maybe. <laughs> uh, literally since the trade deadline. And we can we can pull this up. Let's do that really quick. And then I'll tell you who it is. Um, because I, And it's Carlos Hernandez. So I think every, that may have given it away. But literally, I think if you split Carlos Hernandez first half, second half, it is – shocking like what happened to him the minute the trade deadline passed it's like he I don't mean to be but like he blew his load trying to get traded and then the minute they didn't trade him he's like screw it I don't want to pitch anymore <laughs> so in the first half before the, the the all-star break walks per nine was 2.42 second half 6.16 in the first half home runs per nine 0.6 in the second half, 2.37. His whip, 0.99 to 1.68. Oh, my god! And his FIP went from, yeah, his FIP went from 2.66 to 6.47. He has been awful. And in this last week, six innings, six runs, five walks, four strikeouts, and a whip of two. He has been the no good, very bad Carlos Hernandez we all got to know and love uh, as a starter. And it's and, that, and that's the scary thing is that when he was pitching really well, it was off the back of his fastball. And it's almost like all of a sudden he lost his command and everybody's just waiting for the fastball and then shitting all over it. So it's like, okay, if you're Carlos Hernandez, what on earth happened at the All-Star break? Did you go home and, and lift <laughs> and, and, and mess up your shoulder? Did you... Did you eat a hot dog wrong and choke? And as you were getting the Heimlich, you popped a rib out of place. Like what happened over the all-star break that he went from like really good, like Kelvin Herrera good right back into a, the pumpkin of Brandon Maurer past. Like what happened on the break, Carlos? I, I want to know. I want so badly to understand Carlos. I want to help. Like, let me help you me help do good because this is so bad. It is so bad 
because they had so many good off. And I don't want to say offer explicitly like the, the, the Yankees just had an offer on the table, accept or deny. But the conversations that were going back and forth on Hernandez were reportedly very strong. And if they would have traded, I think the average fan might have gone, what? And the fans who are kind of like you and me, like addicted, like it's heroin, would have been like, oh, that's a great move. I'm glad they did that. And now we'd be looking at it like, ha-ha, sucker. Like, you deal with it. We're going to take Cole Reagan's 2.0 exactly. over here and go deal. So, yeah, we'd be looking at it like just, we are the Reagan straight uh, right now. Um, yeah, yes. that it, and we've mentioned it just kills us to not give up a, a reliever like that. You might even be able to say, hey, they kept Hernandez so that they could still have a piece that was competitive for the back end of their bullpen. It's not. It's not competitive. And we kind of all knew that he was pitching on the pitchability of that fastball. But if anything changes with it, and we, Mark and I were talking about, well, if he loses a mile per hour or two in velocity, he's done. He, he, can't, he can't do anything else. And so you, it wasn't that. As you mentioned, it's been the command of it. It's been just so bad that ugh, it's, it's looking real bad for Carlos Hernandez. Hopefully he can figure something out because if he doesn't, we're building from nothing next year. Nothing. There is nothing viable in that bullpen to to hang your hat on next year if he's not something. So um, here is something to build on, though. We know he's going to be something. My my weak performer for the week is Bobby Witt Jr. And I did that just so I could stay a little bit positive. He was four for 21. Three of those four hits were extra base hits. He had three doubles, a walk, four strikeouts, and no home runs. It was really just a week of kind of bad outcomes for Bobby Witt Jr. We want him to hit a couple more home runs so he can get to that, you know, 30, 30, or in this case now for 30, 40, cause he stole his 40th and 41st base today. And he had a good day today. He went two for uh two for four today. I think he had a, a double and a, a, a single. And so, yeah, he, he, I think Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be fine. I'm not worried about Bobby Wood Jr. Every once in a while, he's going to have to go back into the cage and remind himself how important his approach is. He's very interesting though. And I think anybody who watches the games consistently can see this. His two strike approach is so vastly different from when he is hitting without two strikes that it is kind of insane because a single that he hit today is a ball. You would actually expect Bobby Witt jr. To hit out. And it was a hanging breaking ball, but he had two strikes. And so he takes this really handsy inside out swing and just puts it over the second baseman's head for a single. And I'm going, there's the two strike approach. He hits more balls to right field with two strikes now than I saw him do all last year and it's been, it's actually been a very good thing for him. I think at his peak level of what is the ultimate Bobby Witt jr. His approach will kind of stay the same all the time, but if this is what he has to do to be what he's been, I will certainly take it. Okay. Let's move on. Alex theme of the week. We like to, we like to make these either movie quotes or music quotes, but it's not a must doesn't have to be. Okay. What is your theme for this week? Hmm. I, I don't know that I have ever caught on to that. Um, that might be <laughs> okay. that might be something okay. that like while I'm driving and I'm listening and I'm waiting for the theme I miss. Let me let me think if I can. Um, let's go if if it's if it's the theme is supposed to be a song. I'll go with a song title by my my Turnpike that Troubadours. Works. This is the House Fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all bad. This is a ha- thank you. All right, there we go. Burn it down because my original theme was there it's just not good enough and um you know one of the reasons and if you if you follow me on twitter one of the reasons i'm leaving the space is 
I am having a really hard time being negative about the, or I'm having a hard time being positive about anything that's going on throughout the, the organization. And it's, they are just not good enough and they're not particularly close. I think what this, not just this week, but really, you know, they went on that seven game win streak or was it, was it seven games where they just like, they hadn't won three in a row and all of a sudden they win like seven and we're yeah, like, yeah, I think it was seven. Yeah. They've been awful again ever since. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think you can, and I, I hate to like point individuals out, but you can point at like Michael Massey is just not good enough. Uh, Alec Marsh, just not good enough. Daniel Lynch, I know he's been hurt, but the the overall rotation, the assembly of the rotation is just not good enough. Even when Brady Singer is good, he hasn't been dominant outside of a couple starts. Like It's just not good enough. The bullpen, certainly not good enough. Um, and the, you know, they have some individual parts that work, but the sum of these parts is not close to being good enough. And I think this week, when you watch them play a Toronto team, you're like, "Man, Royals played pretty good." I thought they played pretty good this weekend. They they get swept by Tor- did they get swept by Toronto? I wouldn't pay in. Yeah, they did. Yeah, like and honestly, honest to God, I didn't think they played terrible at all this weekend. I caught um, four or five innings on Saturday. I caught the game Friday, and I caught four innings ish today. After Mark texted me, he's like, "I think they just name dropped you on the on the broadcast," and so I tuned in. And they were talking about Alex Zumwalt, not Alex Duvall, which if you're in <laughs> well, the Spain, Spanish translation. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and you've been hearing Spanish, it's probably it's probably the same thing, right? So no, but I, I caught the last four innings of the game today and I really didn't think they'd played terrible. Cole Riggins was really good again, and it's not even close to being good enough. Um so my theme for this week, but also probably for the off season, and I know we'll talk about this in the coming months, but this off season it's gonna be the house fire. Just burn it down. Grab uh, Grandpa's Auto 5 in the picture frame and get out of the house, all right? Yep. Um, so, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I think it's in Shawshank Redemption when they when they say, like, what's the worst thing you can give a person to to basically torture them? And it's hope. Hope. And and that's that's kind of what this team does when a Cole Reagan starts or when MJ Melendez is on, like, a little hot streak or Michael Massey hits a game-winning home run. You're like, look, I can see them being good. Or Brady Singer has a two two stretch two game stretch where he's dominant. Oh look, they're going to be good. That's the hope they give you that crushes you as a fan because you know nobody does it to be a good team like a lot you know the the Astros or the Braves or the Dodgers or the Rays or Cleveland whatever. You have to have those guys that are going to be consistent, right? And I I've never been a guy that was like uh, you know consistency is just coach speak. You know I've seen it so mm-hmm. much this year that I I believe I'm a believer in consistency because if you can't get s- consistent starting pitching, give me consistency over ceiling. Even like at this point, especially for a team like the Royals, give me consistency over ceiling uh, because the hope that you keep giving and then pulling back is crushing me. All right. And, and I can't take it. I can't dream on an Alec Marsh and a Michael Massey forever. And uh, you know, those guys, because it's just not there enough. You know, it's there to get you a seven game win streak and then lose 15 of your next 20 is what it is. So my theme for the week is a is a play on a movie uh, title. Clear and present failure is what I'm calling the theme for the week because they officially broke the hundred loss barrier today. And now it's just more of a 
more of a game of how many can they lose is the question. And, and it's going to be fun to finish. And, and I do think the Royals have been more competitive in the second half. But as we were just stating, it, it's not enough. It's not even close to enough. And it's hard to even see when this team is going to be competitive for a playoff spot again. Yeah, I'm correct. Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. I got to tell you, Mike, I've never met your mom, but I am terrified of this one. Hey, I completely understand, and you should be. The excellent specialized care she got at All In Physical Therapy had her back to being active in no time. Did I tell you that I met Chuck Norris and she tells your mom jokes? <laughs> that sounds right, because you know what? He could not he could not hold her in a game of anything, including nope. karate, okay? That's, My mother would correct. level that guy, even if he has this little Bowflex thing with him. Um, All In Physical Therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freevert, a former Arena League uh, football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, gotta love that, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All In Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. So some time has passed since the Major League Baseball draft when we last got to speak with Alex here with his expertise in the draft and minor league baseball. A lot has happened since then, and I know everybody is just clamoring to hear Alex's thoughts, and because I'm not very creative and couldn't think of anything else to do, we're just going to do a little question and answer session here with you, okay? I want to know how what you think of how the Royal season has shaken out so far. Um, I have some ideas how you, might, how you might view the season so far, but I want to know the details. Uh, the team is on pace to lose more games than any Royals team in history, and that's that's a feat, ladies and gentlemen. So let's just get waist deep in the sewer that is the 2023 Kansas City Royals. Alex, give the weekly weirdos your impression of the season overall. I think I, I like the idea of it being a clear failure. This is so obviously the worst case scenario, and and I really do. If you went before the season, I think when we were making win projections and stuff preseason, you know, I think I said 77, something like that. And I think when I said 77, I think you could in hindsight, probably chalk that up to like an 80th percentile outcome where I was like, I really think they could be pretty good. I think they'll they'll put some pieces together. The pitching will be better than we expect. I think Jordan Lyles takes a step forward, and and that doesn't mean he's going to be good. But just if he pitched to an ERA in the high fours all year, and and if Brady Singer was good, and if Daniel Lynch was healthy, and I was right about Chris Bubich, then he gets hurt, and it's like, you know, I just thought some pieces would come together, and this is the worst possible outcome. The nice thing about it is you got some good intel, but now you have to use it. The Royals for so long play this game where they lie to themselves, and they watch, and I keep, I hate that it sounds like I'm picking on Michael Massey, but it's just an example that it's on my mind recently. Oh, look, Michael Massey hit another double, hit another home run. It's like, yeah, I mean, He's a major league baseball player. Like they'll do that sometimes. He's not good enough to play every day and he's not versatile enough probably to play on the bench. So what he is at this moment is a four, a player. 
You have to treat him like that. Kyle Isbell is a fourth or fifth outfielder. You must treat him like that. There aren't enough guys to bank on making more improvements. You can no longer bank on them making significant improvements. Mike Moustakis was a number five overall prospect in baseball, what, the number two overall pick in the draft. He had a pedigree. There was a reason to believe that Mike Moustakis could turn it around. Michael Massey was a fourth-round pick who was good, not great in the minor – was maybe even great, but not elite in the minor leagues. Is there a reason to think – One year of great. Yeah. Is there a reason to think he could be a four-day guy platooning with, like, um, a combination of Nelson Velasquez – Nick Lofton and Michael Garcia, maybe. Maybe you pit play him on tough righties and you let his defense you know, take care of itself. But you have to take guys like him and move on from them and, and go find your replacement. And speaking of his replacement, I'm going to lose my marbles the next time you ask me a question. I've already got my answer ready to roll. So the next question you ask is going to be, I'll save my rant for that. As long as they use the intel they've gained, it was an evaluation year. Take your evaluations and burn it down. It's not good enough. It's not close, right? You have to use them and make the correct decisions. Take the Royals colored glasses off. Move the pieces you need to move. Make the improvements where you need to make improvements and restart. Because this particular core isn't winning anything. I tried so hard to like, well, they're this, they're 10th in F4 since the break, and they've, they've, they've been better, and then, then they have not been lately again. So they have shown me over and over again, this is not going to work, and the Royals front office staff needs to look at it objectively. Look, we love these guys. I get it. You fall in love with them. They come up through your system. They're good people. Business sucks. It's cutthroat. It's win or lose. This game is not – and. And I think that's why people got so fed up with Dayton Moore is what he, he made a comment on the pregame show last year. You know, did we sacrifice some wins for for character? Yeah. It's like, what? Like, I don't care if they <laughs> like each other. It, as long as they're not a threat to the community, like Araldus Chapman, the domestic <laughs> violence stuff. Like, there's there's a difference between, like, being a good guy, yeah. being Eric Hosmer. Don't go get Julio Urias right, this offseason. But that's, other than that. <laughs> other than that. Like, I don't care if Eric Hosmer is rude to the media. Like, it doesn't doesn't have anything to do with me. If you don't like it, don't talk to him. But he's winning. He's making baseball fun. And when baseball's fun, the kids get into it. When the kids get into it, it grows the city. Like, that's what John Sherman needs to put on the field and, and J.J. Piccolo, not good guys that don't bring anybody to the ballpark because nobody gives a rip if they're good people. Yeah, and I, the we've said this for years at the trade deadline. The Royals overvalue the guys that they have, and they have for years under under Dayton Moore. They, I agree with you. They this offseason, they need to look back at this and go, "This is going to be hard. This is going to hurt." But that's what happens when you lose. You got to take your medicine, and you're going to have to take hard looks at. And I'll throw Melendez in there. I know he's been better, but you've got to take a hard look at Massey, Melendez, these guys that you were kind of counting on, and say, "Are they doing enough?" And I, I just point this out. Let's look at today. You have Kyle Isbell, okay? And you have Kevin Kiermeyer, both playing in today's game. Okay. Kevin Kiermeyer may not be a he may not be a superstar, okay? But he is a a solid major league center fielder. Okay. At the plate, you know, probably not maybe a hundred ninety to a hundred weighted ones runs created plus. Has Kyle Isbell been anywhere close to a Kevin Kiermeyer at all, ever? 
No. That is what a starting major league center fielder looks like, ladies and gentlemen, and he doesn't stack up right now. Okay, And it's not that any of these guys couldn't take a step forward, but you can't count on that. They have to take the step forward, then they get to play. You're not hoping they take a step forward at the major league level. Okay. You know, you're going to get me on one. Okay, that's what's going to happen. You're going to get me on a little diatribe and go nuts. I got one saved for the very end of the show already. Okay. Um, The last time we spoke, Alex, was the draft in July. Okay. Looking back at that draft from this year, what are your early impressions of those Royals selections? We did a little uh, spotlight on this a couple weeks ago, but I want to know what the draft guru thinks of the Royals draft so far. Mm. I was right again, Mike. I don't know how else to put it. Like, I'm not a big, I'm right, you're wrong guy. I was right, and the Royals were wrong again for how many years in a row? I don't even know. But well, I've, only, I've only been doing draft stuff with you for two years. And both years, you've been right. <laughs> and both the guys you Mike said they should have taken are now friggin' just superstars. So... It's infuriating. Dude, Jace Young yep. is in double A. He is got a two ninety one ISO. He's hitting two eighty five and a one fifty eight weighted runs created plus. There's your second baseman. There he is. Okay, you liked Gavin Cross. All right. I got another guy for you, Mike. Matt Shaw was drafted this year. He's hitting two ninety seven at double A. With a 270 ISO and a 143 weighted runs created plus. He has a better. Well, I was going to make a joke in there, but that doesn't make any sense. I was going to. Anyway, he's got. Oh, Gavin Cross was drafted last year and isn't even playing right now because he got sick or something. And they. I think what they're doing is putting him basically in Arizona or just working with him, right? Like, hey. Get your hits in. We know it's been a terrible season. Like, we'll reboot. We'll get back to it in the fall. But that's your first pick from last year. And this guy, who could be your second baseman next season. Matt Shaw could be a big league second baseman for you by next July. He's raking the coals over in double A as a 21-year-old who they just drafted out of Maryland. And he could be your second baseman next year, but no, he plays for the Cubs. Okay, so you don't like him either. You wanted Kyle Teal. How's Kyle Teal doing, you ask? Thank you for asking. <laughs> Kyle Teal has a double-digit walk rate and is hitting 357 at double-A. He also just drafted this year. Kyle Teal, by the way, behind the plate at – High A, where my numbers at here? At high A, threw out six of 20 base runners and only or had 11 total assists. He is not only looking like a defensive steal, a defensive wizard, because, it, by the way, in the minor leagues, like some teams like, uh, who was it? The White Sox. They'll, they'll tell their pitchers, don't even hold runners on. We don't care. So stolen base success rates in the minors are, are a little bit different than they are like at the big league level. Um, he looks like he could be not only a defensive steal for the Red Sox, but his bat, I mean, he is just raking all over double A. Everybody we wanted the Royals to take are already tearing up double A, not high A, not low A like the Royals hitters are. They are tearing it up at double A. Matt Shaw should start at triple A for the Cubs next year, for the Iowa Cubs. 
he could be their big league second baseman. Well, they have Nico Horner. Hey, maybe they'll trade him to us. I don't know. <laughs> no but this is, I don't know. They gave us Velasquez so for Quas. Maybe they will. I don't know. Um, God. And you know the thing? Hang on. One more go thing. Go ahead. The thing is, they were um, Preston, who, by the way, at Royals Miners, Preston Farr is incredible. He does great work. He put out today that Annie Rogers was um, interviewing Drew Saylor. Mike, can you tell me what Drew Saylor's title – what does he do for the organization? Oh, gosh. I'm going to go with Royals Minor League Hitting Coordinator. Is that anything? <laughs> yeah. He he coordinates the offensive development for the Royals prospects. So tell me, Mike, why when Annie Rogers asked him about Blake Mitchell, his 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 comment was on his defense. His compliments were about <laughs> yeah. his defense. Oh, I saw that and I, I thought the like, exact oh, same thing. God. I'm going. That seems like an interesting thing for Drew Saylor to say. Like, not only that, nobody cares. Nobody cares about that guy's catching ability right now. Only thing I care about is can he hit the ball? Kyle Teal and Matt Shaw have better ISOs at Double A than Blake Mitchell had batting average. In the complex league. That doesn't mean Blake Mitchell won't be good. But if you're trying to put a good team on the field, here are two very, very good college bats. Put them in your lineup by the end of next season and roll, tide, roll. What are we doing? This is – and then, like, with Jace Young, I mean, can you imagine if they had Shaw and Young or Teal and Young? I'd play one one in left and one in second base, and I'd play him every day. And they're two two fantastic right-handed bats, honestly, that are a little bit alike. And this team's pretty heavy on left-handed bats right now going into next year. So no, what, well, Teal's a lefty. Oh yeah, I was thinking Shaw and uh, Jace, Jace Young because I would have taken them back to back. Jace years. Young's a lefty too. Oh, he is. Sorry, I keep forgetting about that. Um, yeah. but no, good, okay. even more balance. Like that's the thing that always gets me is like we talked about how they didn't have any de- defensive positions, and you know Shaw played shortstop, but he couldn't play shortstop in in the majors. Man, though, think about the offensive production you would have in those two guys. Just right there. You know what? Do you know what Matt Shaw is going to do in Wrigley Field? Yes. He's going to hit 25 home runs easily in Wrigley Field. I, Yeah, we all loved him coming out of, of Maryland. And yeah, a little disappointing there. Now, let's not just let's not all go doom and gloom. Are there any guys that you like from that draft that are doing some things uh, for the Royals minor league system right now? I Kind of. We haven't even seen them all because Hunter Owen hasn't pitched. Blake Walters hasn't pitched. The Hero Wyatt kid hasn't pitched. So it's like, I think, but we haven't seen them either. And so the they didn't sign a couple of their later draft picks who I, were, I was actually kind of excited about. Um, what was the kid's name? The Oklahoma State commit. I can't remember. That, it was their next to last yeah. pick, I think, if I remember right. Yeah, doesn't matter. But I, I kind of liked him, and they didn't sign him. Um, Carson Rockefeller has been fine, but one thing I want to stress, the more of Columbia that I watched, because Columbia early on was horrible, but later on, they, they got Spencer Nivens, they got Carson Rockefeller, they got Trevor Werner, and it was like, hey, this is kind of a fun team to watch, so I started watching more of them. Dude, the pitching in low A is awful, and so you got to take it, like Spencer Nivens, I think, has actually been one of the most impressive guys to watch. His plate discipline is pretty good. He doesn't swing and miss a lot. He hits for power. His batting average is pretty low. But, like, all the intangibles are there. All the peripherals are there. Like, I think he's been pretty good. I think Carson Rockefeller's been good. I think Trevor Werner's been great. But it's like the low A pitching is so bad, I don't know what to compare it to. Like, I mean, there's a reason Matt Shaw, Kyle Teal went straight to double A. 
the pitching at the lower levels is pretty bad. So it's 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 given some take. Like, yes, I like them, but if that's what they're doing at Double A, then should I really be excited about a a one ten weighted runs created plus at Low A? Probably not. Yeah, I hear you. And and the one that surprised me in that group was Werner. I really didn't think he was the kind of athlete and we'll see if he is moving up into the, some of those tougher levels to, uh, to really make an impact on major league baseball. Okay. Uh, trip down to the farm. We don't talk, got to talk about guys that were drafted. Okay. Um, who has impressed you the most this year in the Royal system and who has maybe disappointed you a little bit or not been the player that you expected them to be this year? Uh, Javier Vaz is a guy. He is really good. Like defensively all over the field. Um, Reminds me of a, a little Samad Taylor where defensively you can legitimately move him all over. <clears throat> in the outfield, he's a little raw, but he's still very good. He makes really flashy plays in front of him. It's behind him and into the gaps that get a little sporty in center. Um, but still, if he's a second baseman left fielder, perfect. Um, uh, at double A, it's still a uh, what it, walk to strikeout ratio over one. He still he has the for the for the number of plate appearances. If you take every double A hitter with ninety plate appearances or eighty whatever it is at double A this year, he has the lowest whiff rate. I mean, he you can't throw the ball by him. In fact, I, I saw it the other day. I tweeted and said something like, "Somebody struck out Javier Vaz twice in the same game. Keep the ball like that doesn't happen." Um, Diego Hernandez is further away than I thought. He's also in double A defensively in center field, still very good still making some good contacts, but the overall approach isn't very good. And the power has been zapped a bit since he, he came back from that shoulder injury. So he's, he's, I thought he got hurt. Yeah. He's further away than I thought. I thought maybe there was a chance he could push Kyle Isbell for the center field job in spring training. No, not yet. He's not there. Uh, But he's still somebody I'm, I'm relatively high on. He's just, he's further away than I thought. And then if you want to go some arms, uh, ben Coderna is very good. I know the numbers aren't great and his strikeouts fluctuate, but I think sometimes they treat him like a James Shields type where he's legitimately good enough to probably get away power pitching to contact. And, and generally that's kind of an oxymoron. If you power pitch, you are going for swings and misses. Ben Coderna can, can power pitch to contact and generate a ton of weak swings bad contact, and I, I think his best comp for me right now is probably James Shields. I mean, it's it's really good stuff. Anthony Veneciano has been fine, but he's still got some issues that I don't know how he translates to the big leagues. Maybe he'd be okay, maybe he won't be, but um, I, I've cooled on him some here in the last couple of months. Yeah, for for Vaz, the, the, the lack of swing and miss is fantastic. I, I've always loved those guys who can stay in at bats just by kind of scrapping out foul balls left and right. One, if you get a lineup full of those guys, you're getting pitchers out very quickly in the fifth and sixth inning or even earlier sometimes if you're really good at it. And so I've always loved a hitter like that. Um, I don't know if I love him, love him at second base. I think he can play second base. Um, I would like to see him develop just a little bit more in center so that he's playing most of his games in, in center. But yeah, he's a guy that I'm, I'm high on now as well. I was not high on him coming out in the draft, but uh, just seeing if you watch a game that he plays in and watch a couple of his plate appearances, you go, okay, that's a major league approach right now. 
Um, and so that's, that's always good to see. Okay. Last one that I'm going to give you here. Cause I don't even know we're having, we're having so much fun here. I don't even know how long. Oh yeah. We're going over for sure. Uh, good luck editing it, Mark. Uh, back, <laughs> <laughs> we're heading back up to the majors. Um, actually I got two more questions for you. Last week we played a game on like, do we extend, do we hold, or do we try and trade up this current Royal? Um, I want your opinion on this. Is there anyone on the current major league roster that you definitely think the team should extend or trade this off season? And then what should they be looking for in return? So I think there's three guys they should extend. I think it's Bobby Witt Jr. for duh. I think it's Vinny Pasquantino on a, I don't want to say team friendly, but I think at the moment you could probably get it team friendly and probably feel really good about just penciling him at first base DH. And then by the way, if if that's your guy, you can send Nick Prado to AAA again at the beginning of next season and, and keep working, keep developing those contact skills because they're not good. Um, and then also, I'm I would if you're looking for a gamble. So there's one where you're gonna have to pay a lot for Bobby. You could probably get a, a decent deal for Vinny. If you're looking for a gamble, I would extend MJ Melendez this offseason. He's been awful. For the most part, what's he got? Like negative 1.8 career F4. I mean, just in terms of overall value, it's very bad. In the second half, he's lowered his strikeout rate. He's raised his ISO. He's gotten a little bit luckier. He's walking more now. And he's been a good major league hitter. 124 weighted runs created plus. I would try to extend him now, give him a little bit of security, Hey, man, you ain't got to worry about money no more. And you don't have to worry about your spot on this roster. You've made the team. You're going to start every game in the big leagues. And we are going to treat you kind of like we did with Hunter Dozier, where even if it's bad, we're going to let you play. And and here's the thing with the Royals and where they're at is you can't just play it smart. you you got to gamble sometimes because what you need to do is extend MJ and then hope he goes off next year with the weight of, of the world off of his shoulders and goes nuclear. Like, that's what you need to happen. If you extend him and he's bad, well, I mean, you've, you're already not good. What did you, I mean, what? You, you got one. You lost money. That yeah, was it. it's, it's literally, I mean, you just cut bait. Like, And you're, you, he's kind of a, buy, this is kind of a buy low situation. Yeah. You're buying him low mm-hmm. now and hoping that his value goes through the roof. And then honestly, you then have a team friendly contract to, if you, if you do end up trading him, like if his value goes so high, but you're paying him very little and you're not contending, you then trade an MJ Melendez for a package of prospects. And he becomes very attractive to a team that to any team, because he has a little bit of defensive versatility. Although I don't know anybody wants him to catch, but he's got a team friendly contract. He's got the ability to hit and play multiple positions. That, yeah, I, I had never even thought of that. That may not be a bad type of gamble for a team like the Royals. Um, anybody you're thinking about trading? Brady Singer, just because I'm kind of tired of looking at him. But <laughs> You know what? I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody who, now part of this isn't his fault in that they, he probably came to the big leagues too soon. But I've, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody just not change as a pitcher. He just doesn't change. Mm-hmm. He's the same guy he was. The day he stepped on that major league mound, as far as development goes, there hasn't really been any. There's none to speak of. No, with none. And, and, you know, he did have Cal Eldred as his pitching coach, which, you know, but at this point, 
you've been in the organization for a while. Other guys have taken steps forward, big steps forward, some of them, and made changes at least. Even if they weren't effective, they were changes. You know what sucks, though? I don't think they can trade him. I, I do, Not that there wouldn't be teams out there that didn't want him. I think there would be. They are so deficient in the starting rotation. I don't think they can give up anybody. Like he's your. Oh, I, I, I got a, I got a solution. For okay. That. We'll talk about that. That leads us very well right into mm-hmm. our last question here for Alex Duvall. Um, last question. It's a doozy. This is a tough one. Okay. Who is the starting rotation on opening day for the 2024 Kansas city Royals? Now caveat. If you don't get them all correct, you're contractually obligated to co-host another podcast with me. So think really hard. You're, you have to do one next week anyway, but when I say another podcast, I'm talking it's going to be a podcast about interior design or, um, you know, typewriter maintenance or something like that. Okay. So, Mama Mia. Mama, yeah, it's a whole podcast dedicated to the, not even the movie, which is great, like a play. Okay. So, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> so get it right, okay. Alex. A lot on the line mm. here. Okay. Starting on opening day, Cole Reagans. Woo woo. In the two hole, the reason you can trade Brady Singer is you're buying the better veteran, more savvy, more team friendly, more less of a pretentious D bag version of him in Marcus Stroman. A little bit of a bounce back year this year from Stroman. Yes. Jordan Lyles and Alec Marsh. I'm cheating and only going with four because usually when they break on opening day, they only have four starters. So I have okay. well, for, for nope. now, not at a fifth starter. I'll say they trade okay. Brady well, Singer and they go Reagan's Lyles, Reagan's Stroman, Lyles Marsh. I'm not going to let you do that. You got to give me a fifth guy. <laughs> we got to... I, it's not in the notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who is a starting rotation? It doesn't say oh, I have to give you he's five. To... And if I get it wrong, I have to do a Mamma Mia podcast. I'm not giving you a fifth unless we can make it. About barbecue. I will do a barbecue podcast. Yeah, the I'm guy, gonna... the guy, he's, he's sitting there saying this because he doesn't want to pick somebody who's currently in their AAA rotation because he knows how terrible that's going to be. Uh, I will throw in, I can't even throw anybody in there. Right. <laughs> is it Veneciano? I guess, I guess maybe you start with Veneciano. This is why we've been saying they've got to get two free agents. They have to. I mean, I know. Even if, even if it was Brady Singer, like let's say they didn't trade Singer and you put him in that lineup, that's a bad rotation. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad rotation. Uh, you, you, you get hopefully, and, and Marcus Stroman, I, I like him, but he's had some years that were not good. And so you're hoping you get the good Marcus Stroman in that situation. I don't have a better answer than that though. <laughs> Honestly, um, that, that looks like might be what it is and that's going to be crushing. So I think we're really like Alex is trying to say is let's keep them expectations low for next year. Maybe another learning year next year. Well, the Royals start off this week like they did last week against the White Sox. Only this time they'll be on the road. So you get a, they get the lowly Chicago White Sox on the road. Uh, that is a good thing because it gets exponentially harder after that trip to the White Sox. They're going to come back home to face the AL West leading Houston Astros in ne- the next weekend series. And that could get ugly, folks. Um, Alex, tell us a little bit about the Chris Getz led Chicago White Sox who we saw earlier this week. White Sox are 55 and 88. They are fourth in the American League Central. Uh, they are so good that they don't even tell you who their starters are going to be. So those starters are not announced yet. Um, pitchers on the White Sox staff have just 8.8 war. 
and that is barely better than the Royals. Uh, Luis Robert is having no, it's not Robert. I can I, I I will not say Robert. It's Luis Robert is having a great year. He is a borderline top five MVP candidate, and then Eloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn also hitting the ball well. Hey, look, they draft a college hitter and he's doing well. I cannot believe. Yeah, well, and he's like. If you were picking out college hitters in the last five or ten years that are doing well, he's like down the list even, and he's having a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, drafting those college hitters. You can bet on Michael Massey to hit a home run. He just destroys the White Sox for whatever reason. You can bet on Michael Massey homering in this series. I, I will be. Hometown kid back in Chicago. See if he can put a couple out of the yard against a pitching staff that has been pretty bad. I mean, they've been just not, not good. Um, so hopefully we can get on, on that. Then we come here for Houston. What looks like it's going to be quite a bleak, uh, bleak series. Houston having a chance to maybe lengthen out that lead in the AL West, which is a tough, uh, tough division. It'll be a good end to that, uh, to that regular season for them. The Astros are really friggin' good. If you haven't figured that out there, they have six regular players who have OPSs over 800, six of them. Okay. Um, who's the guy I'm thinking of? Uh, there, Jordan Alvarez, Jordan Alvarez hasn't, he's only, hasn't played quite a hundred games yet. I think it's like 98. He has an OPS over one. Uh, same thing with uh, Jose Altuve. His isn't over one, but it's really close to one. <laughs> he hasn't played quite a hundred games yet either. Is a little, you know, was hurt a little bit. The guy, I mean, the lineup is insane people. It is insane. Led by Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez. They also have Alex Bregman, Bregman, Kyle Tucker, their catchers hitting right now too. I mean, it is insane how good they hit the ball. So it could be a really rough, and, and the Royals, you know, as you know, starting rotation and bullpen is not good. Although it will be really fun because I think that should shake out to where Reagans is starting one of those games. Ooh. So that'll be really fun. I think he's going to get the Friday game, if I'm, if my math is correct. That'll be really fun to see him go up against that lineup. Their starting pitching has maybe taken a small step back from where it was the last few years, but you know, Christian uh, Javier has been a little bit down, but Framber Valdez is still fantastic. Um, they just got Justin Verlander again from the Mets. You know, he's probably not the pitcher he was last time he was with Houston, but he's still a, a good player. So, you know, have a couple drinks before you go out to that Astros series, okay? It'll make it easier. All right, we're going to end this episode like we end every episode with our Just a Bit Outside segment. And I know Alex is excited for for his first Just a Bit Outside here. Alex, you are one of the most interesting people I know. A true cowboy, okay? What is your Just a Bit Outside for this week? I watched Shane Gillis's Netflix special last night, and I was so my wife was out of town. I was laying in bed by myself. Well, I, my dog was with me, but I was by myself, laughing. I was cackling, Mike. It was one of the funniest Netflix specials I've ever seen, and I'm kind of a stand-up comedy connoisseur. I've got tickets to go see... Uh, both Dave Chappelle and Burt Kreischer in concert, not in concert, in in person. Uh, Later this month, I am really excited about both those performances. I really enjoy it. Is Kreischer the guy that takes his shirt off? Is that that guy? Yes. Okay. So um, Shane Gillis is kind of a new up-and-comer. Like I think this is his first Netflix, like his first big anticipated Netflix special. So – I watched that last night, and he did not disappoint. I The only thing I don't like about some of these Netflix specials is that they're less than an hour. Like, he gets done, and he just signs off. I'm like, no, no, more. I am laughing so hard. <laughs> I'm going to have a six-pack by the time I'm done with this. 
Um, and he, so he, he tells the story, but he's got a, well, definitely an uncle. He talks about his uncle, but I think he's talked before about having a sister who has down syndrome. And so he, he does a really interesting, like a unique job of being very empathetic with families who have loved ones in their life who deal with like life altering, um, challenges of any kind, but also brings out the humor through the joy that those people experience. And it's, it's something that as a teacher, like you never want to see people made fun of in any capacity, but especially in that, that community and the way that he is able to be empathetic and, and bring out laughter through joy and celebration of, of people like that. It's a very cool, like bit of the, of the special but his ability to be sensitive while he is being freaking hilarious is really, really cool. And so Shane Gillis is absolutely hysterical. One of the funniest comedians. He and Theo Vaughn are two of my favorite guys that are right, you know, doing it right now. Uh, but his Netflix special is outstanding. See, I'm going to have to check that out because one of my very good friends just sent me a text <clears throat> kind of out of the blue. We went to the Turnpike concert the other day out at sandstone together and like two days after that he sends me a text that says you've got to check out this shane gillis netflix special and i was first i was like what because we were talking about stand-up comedians at the concert and i was like oh yeah um and so i'm gonna have to check that out he's a big burt kreischer fan as well i could never get into kreischer as much um it's not my style of comedy uh, but i'm gonna have to check out this shane gillis guy have you ever seen james acaster stuff Mm-mm. oh mark's gonna kill you He's going to kill you. He, he's going to harass you until you watch this on Netflix. I'll do it before I get home then. I mean, okay. my it's, arm. And, and, and it's like four, it's, it's four uh, different episodes, if you will, but they're four different performances that he all performed at, uh, at the, uh, I think it's called the Edinburgh. Does he sing? Does he sing when he, no, no, he's not a singing guy, uh, but he's British. Okay. So, uh, but it's not like super dry, like British comedy usually is. Um, he's really good. Check him out. James okay. A. Caster. It's called Repertoire. It's fantastic. He looks I'm going to check the, out oh, Shane Gillis. He, he looks a little like Bo Burnham. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah, they kind of do. The the tall, skinny kind of yeah. thing going on. Shane Gillis, people. Check it out. It's got the Alex Duvall endorsement. Oh, you have by the Netflix way, Shane Gillis will be in Kansas City in like October. Uh, the Uptown or the Midland or something like that. So Ooh, he'll be both in town. great venues. Well, if you like the uh, Netflix yeah. special, let's go. I, I, I don't have Netflix anymore. They kept... Uh, they kept Getting me Just for sh- find sharing a password, my pa- yeah, right? I'll, I'll steal Mark's password, um, and then, yeah, then we'll go that, check out yeah. Shane Gillis. Like, a, like an like an adult. <laughs> that's why they that's why they got me off of Netflix because they were cracking down on that stuff. Uh, I'm going to go on a little October 13th. October 13th at the Midland. At the Midland. Check it out, folks. It's a Friday. Ooh. Ooh, that might be parent teacher conference time. Um, I'm going on my annual. I do this every year, Alex. Okay. So you may have actually heard this in the past. If you're listening to these, to the show, um, this is my annual gambling diatribe, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. In the state of Missouri for now, several years, we have decided that instead of just accepting money that people want to give the state of Missouri, we don't, we don't want to do that. Okay. We want to throw that out and never, never have any money for our state to go towards, you know, things like roads and education and, rural hospitals that are all closing and all that sort of thing. Um, again, last session, last Missouri legislative session, one individual got to decide that Missouri was not going to adopt sports gambling and then be able to bring in all that revenue that is now going to places like Kansas and Iowa and Illinois and pretty much every other state that borders us who has legalized sports gambling. But something has changed. There is something happening. Okay. 
the four major or four, I don't even know if it's four. Is it four? They've got, we got four professional sports teams here in Missouri, I believe the blues, the Cardinals, the Royals and the chiefs. Okay. They have gotten together in their little consortium and they are putting out, um, petitions. They put up four petitions that have all been accepted by the state, uh, secretary of state for Missouri so that they can get petitions, put it on and then are signed so that they can put ballot initiatives on the ballot and possibly get this into the Missouri constitution through a ballot initiative. This is how a lot of things have been done recently in the state of Missouri, because the Missouri legislature is very difficult to get things through. If you don't know a lot about our state politics right now. Um, and so hopefully very, very soon there will be a ballot initiative. This will circumvent that one lone legislature legislator who has been stopping sports gambling from happening in the state of Missouri. So get it done, Missouri voters. Okay. This is it. We are, we are actively hurting our state by not allowing this to happen because guess what? People are gambling on sports in the state of Missouri every day. Okay. It's football season again, and we are just pissing this money into the sewer. Okay. We are just giving it away to other places instead of using it for our state. I don't care if you're a gambler or not. You should be for this. If you are for people being able to do what they want to do with their own money, you are for this. Okay. You, if you're not a gambler, you should be especially because yeah, you're this. getting, you're getting that because money. That's, <laughs> that's less tax money. You might have to pay in the future. They're going to, the, the, some gambler is going to pay the state of Missouri and then they're going to pay you in services or in tax credits later down the line. If you don't gamble, I don't understand how you could not be voting for gambling. It, it, yeah. It's better for you than it is for anybody else. For me, this DJ here, who's going to throw money on a game that he's certainly going to lose. Okay. And so please, please, please be smart when, if that it, it's likely to make it to the ballot because there's enough people in the state who have, you know, a head on their shoulders. And so when, when you get there, who have brains in their heads, when it gets to that thing, be smart, vote to, to generate revenue for your state and, uh, and allow these things to happen. So, uh, there's my annual gambling diatribe. It's not look, it's, it's like the Royals. It's not really looking any better, but we're just getting enough hope to get crushed later in the future. How's that sound? Can I, can I leave you with a, with a factoid that I found? Please do. I love factoids. I'm a history teacher like you. Okay. According to the university or Texas State University, ninety percent of all the money in the United States has cocaine on it. Traces of cocaine were found reaching zero point zero zero six micrograms. The dot the and it's because the green dye on dollars causes cocaine residue to stick to the bills. So there you go. So I actually knew that one already. <laughs> I'd actually, I'd actually heard that before somewhere. Uh, and that's what they always, I mean, my mother used to always say, if you ever touch money, wash your hands, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, why? Let me get that buzz. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, wash your money, people. It's not clean or wash your hands after touching money. Um, yeah. Wash your wash money. Wash your money. Wink. Gambling, drugs, money. We're, Legalize we're talking about all of it today. Wash my money. Really, really family friendly podcast we've put together here, Alex. Okay. Um, Thank you guys for joining us. My first time hosting my wonderful co-host, Alex Duvall. We will be back next week as Marcus still will be traced. Marcus will still be traipsing around Europe doing European things. I fully expect him to come back with a Spanish accent because when he came back from England, all he would do is call elevators lifts. He was such a douche. Okay. <laughs> so when he comes back, he's going to have some weird European haircut and, you know, call the bathroom, the loo, or I don't know who knows. Um, 
Can I tell you my favorite joke about Spain before? But last thing I promise, yeah, man, we got time. My favorite joke about Spain. All right, uh, Mark's got to edit anyway. <laughs> so, guy goes to Spain and he goes and he sees a bullfight. He's like, man, this is really cool. And the the matador wins and whatever. So he's he's fired up. He's he's seen a bullfight for the first time, and he's walking down the alley after the after the bullfight. And he goes into a restaurant, and he gets into the restaurant and he sits down, and this plate. This guy, the waiter comes by with a plate and whatever's on this plate looks and smells delicious. And he's like, oh my gosh, I, I've got to try that. And so he calls his waiter over and he goes, hey, I don't know what that guy ordered, but I would like to order the same thing. And the waiter says, well, sir, you see, those are the testicles from the bull, from the bullfight this afternoon. He goes, it's a rare delicacy in Spain, the, the bull testicles of a slain bull from a bullfight. And because there's only been you know one fight per day the last few weeks because tourism's down, he's the only one who gets them today. He's like, but come back tomorrow, try to get here as the fight ends, and when they take the slain bull off the thing, I'll bring him to you. He's like, all right. So he skips the bullfight the next day, and he goes straight to the restaurant. He sits there, he sits there, he makes eye contact with the waiter, and pretty soon the waiter brings him over a plate. He goes, here you go. and But they, they were – it was so much less impressive than the day before. And he goes, oh, he's like, was it like a youth bull or, or something that was slain? He goes, what, what happened? This was, this looks nothing like the meal the gentleman ordered yesterday. And the waiter says, see, si, senor, sometimes the bull wins. <laughs> oh, classic Spain joke right there. Just, you know, wonderful animal cruelty that they have going on. <laughs> over there it's next level stuff um great spain joke i hope mark doesn't edit it out i hope he leaves it in there thanks for joining us we're going to come back with more fiery jokes like that more hot takes on gambling more royals talk next week me and alex duvall cutting it up mark's probably you guys are probably going to want mark to just be out of here after this um but i i think this i think i have to do mark's part and you have to do my part here so until next time be good to each other see you later canada You say go Royals, but okay, go Royals.